Over the past year, we've leveraged Vistaprint services to help us on our mission to inspire entrepreneurs of color. They've helped us print stickers, t-shirts, tote bags, mugs, and even snapback hats. Yes, they print just about everything. My point is, they print a lot more than just business cards. So as you look for ways to help your small business stand out, think Vistaprint. The printabilities are endless at vistaprint.com. A lot of the agencies at that time were like, you're not quite there yet. So I leaned on a lot of friends, like all of us at that time, and full transparency, like Instagram was a hobby that turned into a business. Mm. So, you know, I applaud everyone that's coming in and, and treats social media as a business. Like for us, a lot of us, it was just having fun. And then eventually it turned. Started to turn into money. Yeah. And I was like, man, like we're all asking each other questions and, and figuring things out between themselves. So I'm grateful for friends I was able to lean on on that time. And, and you know, at that point, I just wanted enough to make rent and make yeah. sure I had, you know, my my Metro card good so I can get to <laughs> like, I'm just trying to, to go. Buy. Listen, <laughs> that's all I really wanted. But I've realized the more and more that I grew Golden Confidence and that I grew Essie Golden, that the money was like really, really coming in. It was great. I'm Bima, and in today's episode, we talk to Essie Golden, the force behind Golden Confidence, a cornerstone of the body positive movement, and the creator of the sneaker community, Thick Laces. Now, Essie has made it her business to not only take up space in fashion, but to make space for other women who look like her. And considering her upbringing, it's not quite the path you'd expect. Her biological parents experienced a lot of challenges of their own with drugs, alcohol, and even physical abuse. Things got so bad that Essie ended up in the foster care system, transitioning from different homes until she was the age of six. Now, luckily, she was adopted by a family that poured into her and was the first successful Black family she ever saw. Although adjusting to her new life with her new family was lovely, adjusting to life in suburbia was met with one microaggression after another. She left high school, where she felt othered to attend the HBCU Bethune-Cookman, where she got to experience the opposite of her high school experience, and she felt more confident than she ever had before. But that high that Essie was riding on was short-lived after she flunked out of school. For a short stint, Essie found herself homeless and sleeping on different couches. But after reconnecting with her biological father, she decided to move to New York. She immediately felt like she'd found her place, and seeing plus-size models inspired her to pursue a career in fashion. Instagram became the perfect place for her to garner attention and become a source of inspiration for plus-size women. In our conversation ahead, Essie shares a story about how her father left Nigeria in the 80s to pursue a career as a chef in America. He lived in Nigeria for a very long time, and he would watch movies and different TV shows that were American-based, and he was like, I want that lifestyle. <laughs> like, I remember, like, you see the fantasy, you're like, yeah, oh, it like, looks like... Perfect. I remember my dad growing up, and he's the guy, so embarrassing. He 
have like the button up shirts, but only like two was buttoned. So you see the checks and the gold. <laughs> right. He's like, catch this drip, right? So <laughs> he came to America in hopes of owning his own restaurant. Like he wanted to be a chef. My mm -hmm. dad speaks multiple languages mm -hmm. and um, quickly learned that it takes a little bit more work than just you know, having the idea. Yeah. So when he got here, he told me stories of being in rooms with other immigrants who had to sleep on floors just to survive. So he was in a one bedroom, two bedroom apartment, sleeping on the floor with five and six other, other people. people. Yeah. Um, but he found a great job at a casino. Okay. Made a nice living, and that's where he met my mother. Mm. My, mm. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me more about this. She was working at the casino? She was working at the casino. My grandmother was also working at the casino as well, so. That's so funny. My A lot of my family works at casinos in Louisiana. Listen, that's where the money's at, That's right? where the money's at. <laughs> <laughs> so he, he met my mom there, and, and they fell in love, and they had me. Mm -hmm. And this is in the time during the 80s where you know, crack was definitely here. Yeah. And my mom was addicted to drugs actually while she had me. Oh, wow. And my dad coming from Nigeria, he didn't know these things. He didn't know like what that was stuff like, was. What is, he was like, what, like, is what is this? So when they lived together, he would find certain paraphernalia and it wasn't until a coworker told him what it was. Mm. What do you remember about her, like, from a functioning standpoint? Was it, like, noticeable? I mean, you I probably don't know didn't my know mother. the difference, So oh, wow. I was born, I think, after everything that happened between my dad and my mom, and my mom just wasn't ready to be a mother. Mm. Again, it took me a long time to understand what, how drugs affect people mm. in that way. And again, her being 17 when she had me, wow. trying to live her life and do her best, I... Yeah. Like, I wish I could have met her, but I didn't get a chance to meet her. After everything that happened, there was an incident where my mom left me with a babysitter for days. Um, nobody knew where I was. Your dad didn't know. My dad didn't know. And then eventually that babysitter called a family member and they called my dad. And my dad was like, we're not doing this. Wow. Um, and so he took me to Florida. Wow. And so I had... Why did he pick Florida? Did y'all have family out there or something? <laughs> he had a, um, another family friend that was moving out there. My dad was like, I don't think that this is the environment that I want you to live in. I think... Because my... he also started to realize the drugs and stuff that was happening. Right. And, and so, you know, God bless my father. He literally had to start all over. And he was doing really good in Jersey, yeah. like saving money, getting ready to do some really great things. And he made a sacrifice mm -hmm. to take care of his kid. How old were you when y'all moved to, to Florida? Do you remember? I had to be like around three. Yeah, so it'd be hard for you four. to even remember yeah. kind of what, what yeah. was even happening then. Exactly. And so my dad went from one place to another place like Florida, again, with a thick accent. Mm trying to survive, working 12-hour days. Mm. Often, I was left home by myself, and he was dealing with his own demons. He had an alcohol problem, mm. and he was abusive as mm. well. And I went to school one day, and a teacher saw some things and called the police, and I was taken into the system. How old were you when you were taken into this, uh, the foster care system? Yeah. I was, had to be like six. Six? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, so... Um, what were you like as a kid at six, having dealt with so much trauma at a very young age? Oh, wow. Um, 
And the reason I ask is because, you know, today you're very evolved for someone who's gone through so much, you know, and so. I have to give my parents credit, my, the parents who adopted me, they poured so much love into me. Mm. I didn't lack for anything when it came to that, which is what I needed as a kid. They're literally my heroes. Mm. I love them so, so much. So, I mean, I went, I went from home to home, mm. and then I met up with them at a McDonald's. I'll never forget that. <laughs> they got me with the toy and with games. And, <laughs> <laughs> and it, was, it was awesome to be able to be in a family mm. of people that looked like me. Yeah. In the homes that I stayed in, it was me and multiple people in a room those homes were also abusive. Mm -hmm. There are moments the only time that I ever ate is if I ate in school. Free lunch, you know, I'm an advocate for that. Like, thank mm -hmm. God for free lunch because right. those places can also be super terrible. But they got me, and it was the first time in my life where I saw two successful Black people. I didn't know that that was you real. You didn't know that was a right, thing. I was like, you the like, show? You're like, that's a real? TV show. What are we Listen, talking about? Family matters for real? Wow. This is amazing. So, And did they have any other kids? Um, I have an older sister, okay. but literally the year that I was born, my my mother lost her child mm. the same year that I was born. So mm. I'm she wasn't able to have children. So I'm like that's my mom. Like that's I'm mom. her kid. So that was first time again. Like I said, I saw a two parent home. I had my own room for the first time, <laughs> and a front yard and a backyard, and it really changed my life. And I'm mm. so grateful that you know, they picked me that they chose me. Yeah, no, it's an important thing to feel like someone actually wants you as well. Yeah. Right? Like that that reciprocation can do so much for you as a person and especially as a, as a child. Yeah. Right? And you said those other situations, like how many different homes were you in before, you know, finding your parents? Um, I was in about six homes. And six homes across like one year, two years. Wow. I've never really thought about it. like two years. Six homes in Six two years. Six different homes in like two years. And when I got to my parents' house, I barely knew how to read. Like that's the level of care that some of the foster care homes that I was in, they just, literally I was just a check in yeah. a lot of these places and a lot of kids were. So again, my parents really poured into me and helped me and never made me feel like I mm. was like a foster kid like no that's my child, that's my child. I look, right like I look like my mother I'll never forget when I went to a family reunion the first year and they're like oh where'd you get her <laughs> oh she looks like y'all some kids y'all some kids must be from as, as my parents y'all must be from the African tribe the same tribe that's where y'all come from I literally look like my mother I literally look like my grandmother like it's insane how all of that just like really lined up yeah now, one thing you mentioned earlier was that this is your first time, like, seeing successful Black people, a successful Black couple. Can you define what that means to you? Like, what about them made you interpret it that way? So my dad was a teacher, you know, had a nine-to-five, you know, had a briefcase. You know, all the things— Had a briefcase. <laughs> had a briefcase. <laughs> like, you know, the stereotypical, like, honey, I'm home yeah, thing. Yeah. And then— my mom was an accountant, so these are mm. two people that had a job, that had a car that, um, you know, in the beginning, I didn't see them pinching for pennies, you know, like those types of things. They were happy. They had family reunions, something I didn't yeah. know. They didn't even like, know. Right. <laughs> like we would get up and wake up at six o'clock in the morning. My dad is the definition of a military man. Mm. My God. He's like, Saturday same mornings. time, Listen, same Saturday thing. Saturday mornings were the words. We need you to get up there and go mow the lawn at 7 a.m., <laughs> you know, like... 
whatever. But like, I'm not doing this today to, with you. <laughs> to see that. And I went from living on in a predominantly, the, the homes that I was in was like predominantly black side of town mm-hmm. to middle class. Mm. And so I started seeing different ethnicities. And again, it's like, oh, wow, this is, this is interesting. Mm. Like, this is really cool. This is really dope. I was so happy to again, just have a level of peace and a level of comfort. I could, I felt like I kind of like breathe. Breathe for the first yeah. time. How did you transition into that new environment? It was fun. <laughs> <laughs> it was fun at first. I think there's the microaggressions that mm. I wasn't used to. Like, give me an example. Like teachers doubting me, teachers almost kind of saying they don't think I'm that smart. They don't think that I'll get uh, like a problem on the board or mm. if like something was missing or something like that because I was one of the few black kids in, in any in, of my classes. In your classes. Yeah. Um, it was like, well, hey, I don't know if you know this, but something's missing. And so do you mind if we check your, your backpack or do you mind this or mind that? And in my mind, I'm just like, oh, hey, cool. Yeah. It's not until, anything about it. <laughs> right. It's not <laughs> until much, much later mm-hmm. it's it became an issue. Like I'll never forget in high school I won junior homecoming princess Mm -hmm. and that was such a big deal for me and this girl didn't know that my mom was in the audience and she told her mom this white girl she's like well she only got it because she's black and they just needed a black girl to get it I was just like Hmm. okay you know but I mean in in general my experience was great what was more interesting was when I got to college and that was what Bethune I went to Bethune-Cookman University so in high school and middle school, I, again, didn't have a lot of people that looked like me. I was yeah. plus size, but I did a lot of sports. People mm-hmm. liked me. Like, I was funny. Yeah, I had you felt time. like they were like, yeah, we're cool. good. I like, no I'm good. Like, <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't necessarily date a lot, though, right? And then, and again, I think it's just one of those things, like, you're more likely to date someone that looks like you or be attracted to someone that looks like you. So I had some dates here and there. It wasn't until I went to an HBCU, and it was like, oh. <laughs> Like, I'm not ugly. I'm you just in the wrong spot. You was like, I'm in the wrong right. place. I and got, so you know. <laughs> that was kind of mind-blowing for me because, I mean, again, I guess I didn't really think about, like, my beauty or my self-esteem until I got to college. And it was like, it was like a mind Because <laughs> I was like, wait, are you sure you like, like, are you sure? Like, like it was, Are you sure? Because right. this hadn't been, like, <laughs> like I, I hadn't been getting this type of energy. Ago, yeah. Right, and yeah. now I'm here. And so at that experience, um, it was great mm. for a little bit. But then I started dealing with other things I didn't deal with in high school. Like what? Um, oh, God, I hate saying this. I hate the word jealousy. <laughs> but I started to feel that from other women because of just how you naturally would show up. Yeah. And then that probably was generating certain attention. Right. And so I was like, but wait, I went from being loved and adored to a certain extent mm-hmm. in high school and middle school. Like, I never had a problem. Yeah. I was a popular kid. Like, I got along with everybody to some people being like, eh, you hmm. know what I mean? Like, not liking me. And then also having to deal with now having these people also having men attracted to me in a way that I wasn't experienced. Mm-hmm. It caused me to want to like go within myself like mm, I didn't really, yeah like I didn't really want to talk to too many people I was like this is a lot like mm. you don't like me but then they like me it was it was way too much for me like when I got to college I I don't want to say I lost my mind but I definitely wild out well yeah you probably were just like this is a lot 
It was. Like, my parents are Southern Baptists, mm-hmm. and so I had a curfew. Yeah. And living in an area where everyone around me got to do what I wanted to do, like, my friends' parents partied with their okay. kids. They're just partying with their kids. They're partying with their kids. They have more money than my than my parents do, like— at times, my I don't know how my mom made it work, but she did. Like, mm-hmm. my mom can make $20 stretch for two months. Yeah, she's like, I'm going to make this work. <laughs> yeah, like when my dad lost his job, my mom mm. picked up the slack. But living in an area where everyone around you has so much money mm-hmm. and so much access mm-hmm. and you're just making it, yeah. it does something to you. Because, like, I want that. Oh, like, yeah. You're like, you spent a lot of your childhood like, oh, I want that. And for me, it was like... Man, I want them sneakers. Why can't I get them sneakers? Right. Why can't I get that PlayStation? You and, know, it's, and you, listen, so when you get out of that, it just becomes like, I want everything. Right. <laughs> and I was plus size. So, like, the clothing options were already, like, like me and this guy here have the same jeans on because that's the only size they had, so I'm trying to fit in anyway. Yeah, you're like, I'm going to make we, it work. Right. <laughs> and we don't have as much money as everybody else, so it, it became, like, a thing, but... With the strict upbringing that I had to a certain extent, and I and I praise my mother for doing that because people are a mess. <laughs> as soon as I got to college, I was like, oh, freedom. Yeah, you was wild. What? <laughs> Curfew for what? I'm outside. As in you was I, outside? I, I was too outside. I was, <laughs> I was, you know, I was, I, I did a lot of partying. I did a lot, a lot of drinking. <laughs> I actually ended up getting alcohol poisoning. Yeah. <laughs> You drank that much. I lost my mind. This was freshman year? This was yeah. all freshman year. This was freshman year, and that's what did it for me. Mm. That was so embarrassing because it was the talk on campus. Oh. Of the girl who passed out at the party and woke up in the hospital and had alcohol poisoning. I didn't want to go to another class. What year was this? This was 2006. Okay, so at least it was... Right. right. And I tell people that all the time. I'm like, yo, I am so <laughs> grateful that all the dumb things that I did was like MySpace days. Yes. It was like early Facebook when yes. you had to have like yes. a college email. Yep. Oh my gosh. There was but no viral photos. No. Or, <laughs> or oh. videos. <laughs> oh God. I was I was so embarrassed. And before, like when we got to college, my dad had a conversation with my mother and he said, Don't let her come to this school. If she comes here, she's not ready. Hmm. And I was like, I'm ready. I'm I don't know ready. what you're talking about. Yeah. And I hate being proven yeah. wrong. Yeah. I hate that. Did you flunk out? Like- I did. I never went back. And like that day that that happened, it happened on a weekend. I woke up in the hospital, super embarrassed, came back. And then I never went back to class. I couldn't. I was too embarrassed. What were you doing? I was in my bed. Just in your in room? In my bed, in my room. I, like a dorm room? I was in my dorm room. I would go sign out to go get lunch or dinner or like me and my friends were going out on the weekend. Like we would go. All good. But I was not walking too much on campus. I wasn't going to class. I didn't care anymore. I was that embarrassed that people saw me in that light. Wow. Yeah. How long were you doing this? How long were you like, and and did your parents know about it? They didn't know. They didn't know until, um... <laughs> I mean, there's a certain reality where they would find out. I'm curious um, to know right. about that one. So, um, thank God I was under my parents' health insurance, but my mom got a, she got a phone call <laughs> to like give, you know, some type of conversation about what was happening. And they were trying their best to like help me get through it. And they were trying like, yo, she can make up this, she can make up that. But I was way 
too embarrassed. Yeah. At that point in my life, I cared so much about, about how people uh, viewed people, me. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And so after my dad saying that and then doing this and doing that, and people saw me at my absolute worst. No, I'm mm. not going back. You're not going back. Not so good. what did you what did you end up doing? I had a boyfriend. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I had a boyfriend. He <laughs> played basketball at the time and I just got an apartment off campus. I got a regular nine to five. I worked at a call center selling vacation appointments. Wow. And <laughs> sounds like you love while it. While he was in school, having the time of his life, I'm in an apartment paying bills because I'm like, all right, well, at least I got a boyfriend, something yeah. I didn't have. And that was so dumb. Oh <laughs> my God. I can't I mean, believe you know, I did knowing that. different, you, you know, you're you're a teenager then and you're <sighs> in love and you just want to be around that person and Right. It was cool. It was cool um, for a little minute. It was cool for a second until it wasn't. Mm-hmm. And then we didn't work out and he left to be with his family. And at that point, my mom had left Florida. We had already always had our house. Yeah. My mom had left Florida to go to Indiana because she had found a better job. Okay. And so when she left, the house was gone. And when he left, I didn't have my job anymore. I had got fired. Mm. And I had just gotten that new job, Yeah, you know, um, with a better apartment. It cost a little bit more. Yeah. So after that happened, we were literally in that apartment for about a month and a half. Mm. And then I was homeless. <laughs> How old were you? 19? Oh, no. Um, this was like years in. So years this would have been okay. like 20, 21, 22. Okay. And so I was I was sleeping on different people's couches and and stuff like that, just trying to get my my life together. Where were you? What part of the country were you? At I was that still point? in Florida. You're still in Florida. I was in Deltona now, which is Deltona. like 45 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I had moved this way. Um, like I said, it, it was cool. I, I thought that this was somebody that I was going to marry. You know, very typical Southern person, mm-hmm. like. You get married as soon you as you get out of high school. Like right. 21, and you don't have kids by 22. I already I know you had the, the whole plan worked out. Right. And none of that happened, but that's okay. The best part that happened, I knew I was supposed to meet him, is the my freshman year, I hadn't had any contact with my dad. When I went up to for adoption, mm-hmm. my dad had just got out of prison. So my dad wow. ended up going to prison for what happened to me. Wow. And so he had gotten out, he had gotten his life together, and I had came up for adoption, and I had a choice. Mm. I could be adopted by my parents who had been taking care of me, but my dad was also wanting me. Mm. And I didn't know that they were going to do this, but they had to bring me into the courtroom. And my, they let my dad go. I didn't know he was going to be there. I thought he was going to be somewhere else. But I told him I wanted to go with my parents, but they said I'd be able to at least talk to him and have a conversation. I didn't get a chance to do that. but. After a while, my dad left Florida altogether. Obviously, it was a bad experience for him. He moved back to New York, Mm -hmm. got himself together. Mm -hmm. And Christmas, right before... So every holiday, my parents would always drive up to Savannah or Georgia. Savannah or Atlanta, because that's where both my parents stay. Yeah. And the day that we were supposed to go, I was kept running behind. Like, things kept getting in the way. And I get a knock on the door. And it's my this woman that used to babysit me when I lived with my dad in, yeah. in um, Orlando when he was a mm-hmm. chef. And she's like, hey, do you know me? I was like, I absolutely don't. <laughs> and <laughs> it's always funny, right? Like, right. you meet other people and they're like, I knew you as a like, kid. Don't you remember right. me? It's like, no, I don't. <laughs> um, she's like, well, I used to babysit you. Yeah. And I was like, oh, okay. And she's like, yeah, I know your dad, Steve. That's my, my dad's name. I was like, 
what? She's like, yeah. And as a matter of fact, he's actually in the car in your driveway. So if you would like to go meet him, you can. Ooh. I was like, my dad? Whew. And she's like, yeah, he's in the car. You should go meet him. And so I met him. He showed me my little sisters, which was great. And he had hired a private investigator to find me. Which I'm forever grateful for. Mm -hmm. So that Christmas had my boyfriend at the time not lived in New York, I would have never went. Ooh. And what was crazy enough, he said, had I not come up there, he was gonna break up with me. So <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. So what a crazy yeah. sequence of events. Right. And I knew, it. and that's how I know like the way that my life has gone consistently, like I know nothing is ever by accident. Mm. Everything happens exactly how it's supposed For to. So I went up there to New York and it felt like all the movie stars and superstars lived there. I was in Times Square. <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, look at these billboards. Yeah. And I had just went to um, this store called Pretty Girl <laughs> and I had got me a faux fur. And I was like, this is where I'm supposed to be at. And yeah. so- You fell in I, love with New York. Yes, I loved it. And I was like, this is where I'm supposed to be. Wow. And a couple years later, after he and I had broken up mm -hmm. and I was watching a lot of America's Next Top Model. <laughs> yeah. I wanted to be Takara. She was I'm incredible. Not mad at that, yeah. Listen, the body, the everything, the confidence, just mm -hmm. like the way that she owned who she was. Mm -hmm. And it was, was a cultural shift. Yeah. Right? For like, sure. Because to at least to my memory, I don't remember ever seeing a plus size woman being championed in that way as a model. I agree. On, you know, on TV. I agree 100%. Outside of her, there was another model named uh, Mia Amber. Yeah. I had seen her in magazines. She actually did the movie Road Trip, which mm -hmm. was hilarious. <laughs> but those were the first two women that I had seen that looked like me, that I was like, oh my God, I'm, they're so beautiful. Like, I relate to that. Mm -hmm. I want that. Like, I felt so seen looking at them. So after watching reruns of that, I was like, all right, cool, I'm going to New York. You're going to New York? What? They're going to love me. What was the, like, when you were going to New York, what did you want to do? I you wanted to model. model. I was going to be a model. He's going to be a model. Fresh off the plane, the yeah, paparazzi yeah. was going to be there. He was like, like, nah, this is what I'm doing. Right. Essie's like, in the building. We heard you're here. <laughs> We're here to escort you straight to set. Um, and that didn't happen. <laughs> so what was the it, reality? It didn't that, happen. That, that, um, you, that you had to work for it. Yeah. Which is something that I had never experienced mm -hmm. ever. I think the slow pace of living down south, I didn't know that dreaming in a different way was an option. Mm-hmm. I felt like I was supposed to get married, have kids, and my life is to my husband. Yes, that was what you um, were to do. <laughs> <laughs> but moving to New York, I saw so many women who chose themselves, mm. and that changed my life. I was like, oh, this is an option? <laughs> you mean like I could wait a little bit, I could do this, I could figure my life out, I could find myself a little bit, and then... And then I can do that. Yeah, like I, I didn't know that, that that was an option, but I worked. Um, my dad ended up finding me a room in the back of a daycare that should have never been open. Um, a room in the back of a daycare. A wow. room in the back of a daycare. But I'm, I'm grateful for mm -hmm. the space that they gave me. I rented that out and I found a job within like two weeks of being there. Okay. And in between that time, I was finding like little boutiques that I could model for. Mm. And I was a star. I don't care what anybody say. I was like, look, y'all better get into better this get crop top. Y'all see these jeans, like, come on, I'm yeah. selling it. Yeah. You wanna buy this. So, <laughs> like I was doing a lot of that on Facebook 
And a friend of mine, I'm so grateful for her. My friend Shantae was like, listen, you got to get on Instagram. Hmm. I was like, no, nah, I'm good on Facebook. We good. Yeah. Like, Facebook is killing it right now. She's like, no, no, no. Whatever you do, you have to get on Instagram. And so... And this is what, like 2013, 14? Yeah, okay. 12, like 13, yeah, 13, 14. And I started showing my outfits and more women started following me. Like, mm. oh my God, like, you're so beautiful. You're so great. And I'm a Leo. So I was like, yeah, tell me more. Tell what me else? more. What's up? What else? <laughs> <laughs> so like, I was, I was wearing these outfits and the women that were following me were like, man, I've never seen that before. Mm. So to become that representation for other women was like a game changer for me. It kind of shifted from, again, I still wanted to be a model, but I was mm -hmm. like, I feel like there's something more there's here. There's something more purposeful. Than, right. That, and there's not to say that you can't be purposeful in modeling, Absolutely. but you found purpose in what you were doing through Instagram and community you were building. Right. And you were, you were a bit shocked. I'm guessing by the response. Oh my gosh, I was like, me? Because I mean, again, I, I think about my life and how I grew up and not having clothing options, not necessarily feeling the most beautiful all the time because everyone's so much smaller than me and they have better style because they have more options than I do. Mm -hmm. And so to now, for people to be like, yo, I like how you dress. I'm like, oh, hmm. I could kind of figure this out. And that's that's one thing that I always give credit to New York for like as rough as that city is, like it beat me up, but it helped me up though. It helped you up. It whipped my ass. I mean, I they like, say if you can you. make it there, you can make right. it anywhere. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's, 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 that's the motto. Right. Like put a bandaid and get up. Yeah. Like let's go. We don't have time for that. But <laughs> the great thing about New York is it it gave me space again to find myself, to find my fashion, to mm. find my style. Because in New York City, everyone's a superstar. Mm. Everyone's important. Mm -hmm. yeah. Everyone's got something that they're trying to accomplish, and what? like. They're like, hey, I got stuff to do. Move right. out my way. <laughs> exactly. It was it was the first place where I saw a guy in like a unicorn costume, and it was like his actual outfit. It wasn't Halloween. It wasn't anything like that. Was his look. That's what I was wearing. And you gonna respect that? Yep. Cool. And then like you have other people wearing what they're wearing. Like it gave me a chance to wear outfits that back home I felt I would have been judged for, mm -hmm. and nobody cared. Mm -hmm. And then some people gave me props. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, okay. I can I can figure it I out can here. I can just be whoever I want right. to be. Like there's there's <laughs> space here for me to figure out what my style is, what my fashion is, because again, everyone in New York, the outfits may be crazy. Mm. Someone's wearing a plastic bag, but it's like the attitude, the confidence. I was like, man, I, I want that. Mm. I want more of that. And so I was able to find that there, and that translated for me on, on Instagram. Online. Right. Yeah. So. A lot of women were saying, I can't wear that. I can't do this. And I was like, well, well, you can. You can. <laughs> and a woman by the name of Selena Weeks had a magazine called Manic Mag. Okay. And she had seen a lot of the work that I was doing. And this was at the time where indie brands like uh, Rue 107 mm -hmm. had came around. Uh, Nakimuli mm -hmm. uh, had came around. And these are two Black-owned brands. Mm -hmm who were offering us stuff that mainstream brands weren't never, offering plus size. Right. Never. Like spandex? You want a tight dress? You want, you want bodycon? You want leggings? I can wear this too. Right. Like you want to stand <laughs> out? We didn't know that these were things that you wanted. So they really came in and like changed the game and mm. used me as a model to help do that. And that mm. was amazing. So Selena had seen that and she's like, hey, we're, we're shooting a magazine. Why don't you come in and we're going to make you the cover model. I was like, girl, what? say less. I'm in there, in there. <laughs> and so I'll give credit to her she, because my last, my real last name is Golden. Mm -hmm. She came up with Golden Confident. Mm, that's when that was coined. Yeah. And you, like, would take, you would take that, right? And then you would start to build this community. And, and 
Was that intentional for you? Like when you're thinking about like you've built this body positive movement. Was that intentional for you no, or was it kind of just like, oh, just, I like that. Let me start using it. Right. I was like, yeah, y'all show me y'all, y'all golden confidence. Mm. I was like, I like how that sounds. And <laughs> created a hashtag and it became so much more than I ever thought it could be. Like I'm still in shock mm. th- how that has changed so many women's lives. The amount of women that were like, I saw you on Tumblr or I saw you here mm. or there. And I was like, oh, I can model. And they're models. Wow. Like that's, that's insane. Like these things that I wanted, like that I got from other women, I'm doing that for, I'm others. Doing it for others. It's so crazy what happens when like you're in the path that you should be in and you think it's going to do this, but it has this entirely different or additional effect on other people. And in this regard, you're showing other people that, hey, like you can be confident no matter what you right. look like, right? Like it, all of us have space to, to show up here. That's pretty crazy. And then you also had like a TV show that like, a TV show um, I'm a, I'm, uh, we gonna talk about was inspired it. by right. your work. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I was, this was during the time when the term like fat kini had came out, which is like a plus size swimsuit, two piece. Again, shout out to Gabby Fresh. Like she definitely changed the game for plus size women. She was the first woman to wear a two-piece swimsuit online, and it kind of blew up mm-hmm. everywhere. And again, Room 107 and Akimi Lee were creating these swimsuits, and I was modeling them, and the comments that I was getting from women was like, I wish I could wear that. If yeah. I had a space to wear that, I would wear that. And so I kept having these conversations with my friends, like, I got to do something. I have to do an event or something to bring these women together. Like, I want them to feel like they can wear this. It's just clothing. Mm -hmm. And so my friends were like, well, why don't you do a pool party? And I was like, I don't know. And at the time, I was about to get fired from my job. I have been fired from every single job I've ever worked. That's how I know I'm doing exactly (laughs) what I'm supposed to. I do not like people telling me what to do. So every job that I've ever had, I've been fired from. And I was about to get fired from my last job. And um, my friends were like, why don't you do this this pool party? And I was like, all right, cool. If I find the space, if a brand gives me some money, maybe I'll do it. And so I, I had agreed to it, and then I got fired. When we return, Essie helps change the body positive landscape. What's up, Claim of Stories fam? If you're listening to this podcast, I'm sure you've heard of Vistaprint, right? I mean, we've been doing a lot of incredible work together to inspire entrepreneurs of color, so we hope you're paying attention. Now, when it comes to printing things, and I mean just about anything for your business, whether it's stickers, t-shirts, tote bags, mugs, and even snapback hats, Vistaprint's got you. They print just about everything. So as you look for ways to help your small business stand out, think Vistaprint. The printabilities are endless at vistaprint.com. Hey, it's Bima. Welcome back to the Claim of Stories podcast. So it's 2016, and Essie's Golden Confidence Pool Party was not just a success, but a legendary pool party that changed the lives of thousands of people in the landscape of the body positive movement. 
One thing I know how to do is I can talk. Mm -hmm. I can get in the room. Yeah. I can make you feel Let me get in the room. Let me get in the room. (laughs) Let me convince you that Mm -hmm. this is something you need to do. And so I was able to talk to two brands that I had worked with, Monif C and Rue 107. Mm -hmm. And they had agreed to sponsor the party. And again, it was just something really small. We, We found a really dope rooftop spot in Midtown. And... The women that came in, it literally changed my life. These were women that were coming in. It's summertime. It's July. It's hot. It's hot. You got on jeans. You got on a sweater. (laughs) You got on a hat. And again, because you're not quite comfortable in your body. Wow. And then you come into a space where everyone looks like you and everyone's encouraging you. And by the end of the night, these girls are in the pool. They're making friends. They're having the time of their life. And again, I'm just thinking it's a simple party. It was stressful. Yeah. I was like, I'm never doing you know, this you're again. You know, you're like, I'm not planning this again. This is done. <laughs> the amount of messages that I got from women that were like, thank you. Mm. I really don't have a lot of friends here. I flew in for this. I took a weekend off. You know, I got a babysitter for this. And you literally changed my life. Wow. I'm now, I, can, I feel better about myself. I've made some friends here. I can't wait to come back. I felt can't wait I to felt come back. right. Like I felt like a star today. Mm. Oh my gosh. I felt important. And people underestimate how important representation is. For someone to say that to you, like I felt important. I felt like a star. People like me. Like my body's okay. There's nothing wrong with it. You completely change their point of view of themselves. Right. And so you leave that and you spread that to somebody else. Yeah. You know what I mean? And like, and, and with the hashtag, people were using the hashtag and the hashtag was growing and growing and growing. So like now I think we're over a million uses on, over a million uses? on Instagram alone. That's crazy. On TikTok, an app that I'm not even on, got two million, life. three million. Yeah. And some of these people don't even know me yeah. and that's okay. And that's okay, right? Like that's living on beyond you. You don't even have to touch it. <laughs> you said it. <laughs> you know what I mean? So to have been able to do that, and the party ended up going viral the second year. Mm. And the it got a lot of press, which I'm super grateful for. And a lot of women were posting their pictures. Mm-hmm. And the director of Shrill, I guess she was paying attention. A lot of people were. And again, grateful I guess she saw it, and she had a book called Trill, and I'm not quite sure what she changed to fit the pool party scene in, but I know that she changed it after everything that she saw with the pool party. Now, she said she was inspired by it. Mm. Okay. Um, mm. <laughs> a friend of mine, I wasn't. it wasn't even a show that I wasn't really going to pay too much attention to, but a friend of mine was like, yo, have you seen this? And I was like... No, she's like, she's like, I definitely think you should watch it. And so I saw it and actually cried. Wow. I got it. I didn't understand how my pool party made other people feel like. In that moment, like, it, it felt great. But to see that translated, I was like, I get it now. Wow. I finally get how you guys felt. And in that moment, I was like, all right, this is cool. But my friend was like, did she reach out to you? And I'm like, no. Hmm. And then other people were calling me and asking me, hey, did she reach out to you? I was like... No, they're like, I don't, you know, the conversation of, of Sue or this or that, I was like, I don't, I don't know anything about that. But I sent her a message. I was just saying, you know, I saw your show. I thought it was amazing. I cried, like, great show. She's like, oh, you were a thousand percent one of my inspirations uh-huh. for this. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's really cool. Mm-hmm. It festered in a little bit, and I was like, man, 
why couldn't I be a part of that? I mean, mm -hmm. the girl of that scene was a black girl. She was racially ambiguous, but I could tell she was black. Mm -hmm. And she was the host of the mm -hmm. pool party. You know what I mean? And yeah. I was like, interesting that I could be your inspiration. But you won't even... I couldn't be a part. Couldn't be a part of it. Like, How did it okay. make you feel? Hurtful. And then what was even worse was like, I think CNN did an article of like the top 10 moments on TV um, that was super inspiring that changed the game or something like that. And that was one of the things that it was like... So half of me was like, man, that's so hurtful. Another thing I don't get to be a part of. But being in this business as a Black woman, as a plus-size woman, I know I'm going to constantly be looked over for things. I know people are going to pick apart what they want and, you know, keep it moving, especially with how this body positive movement has changed from being founded by queer Black women, Black women, to what it looks like now. If you look up the definition or look up body positivity in images, you're not going to see too many Black hmm. faces. Hmm. I'm just like, well, that's... That's interesting. Yeah. But, it, I mean, it was hurtful, but it also gave me motivation, like, okay, you're doing something. Hmm. Imitation, right? Is, as they say, flattery. I mean, and, and it was great. And as far as, like, my place within the body positive movement, when you look up body positivity in the Wikipedia, Golden Confidence is listed there. Whew. So regardless of how you feel I've contributed to this movement or women who look like me have, uh, it's there. My contribution is represented in history. Forever. Right. This so, is nuts. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, dang, I really done something. Like really but, in there. I mean, again, it's, and, you know, going back to New York, giving credit to that, like, New York is one of those places it's like, people are going to do things. Things are going to happen to you. You won't always get your way. People mm -hmm. will pick apart. You got to keep but going. But you got to keep it moving, right? Yeah. You can't just sit can't on dwell. that and be like, oh, this didn't happen, so that's why stuff's not happening right. in my life. Right? And when like, I first got to New York, oh, it made me angry. Everything. Everybody took everything from me. And it's just like, no. <laughs> it's no. like, that's just not the way it is. It just is what it is. Right, right. Keep going. So what? <laughs> so, Next. So tell me about, like, this is happening. Obviously, you're like, Life is changing. There's a community that's growing that you are effectively a, a leader of. Are you monetizing this at this point? How are you starting? Because you got fired from the job. I was. So I'm like, how you making that money? Was, that was the fifth one. I was like, <laughs> God, leave. Oh. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> yes, that pool party, I was selling tickets. So it kind of gave me okay. a little cushion to make things work. And at that moment, brands were like, oh, She's doing something. Let's put a little, let's put a little coin in her pocket. Yeah. Let's work with her. Yeah. And so from then on, more brands started to reach out to me to work, to wear outfits, to be a part of events, mm -hmm. to host events. And I was able to, like, eat. Wow. Oh, my gosh. It was amazing. Wow. Do I have to pay rent on time? I was like, <laughs> He's like, I don't need to right. call the favor. I don't Listen, need to dodge you. I, I got it. I <laughs> I got it. Are you there today? I'm not it. here. Don't knock on my door. Listen, I'm not here. Go we away. We see you inside. <laughs> Stop playing. No, like, that was one of the first times I was like, oh, okay, like, there's something here. I'm going to continue to do what I want to do. And so... I started making money consistently. I went full-time. I had actually applied to other jobs, but I, I couldn't get them. So what was the time between that job firing and you going full-time? Um, immediately. Immediately. Yeah, because I had applied for um, unemployment, and they had denied me. And I was wow. like, God, Lee, kick me when I'm down. Yeah. And then the pool party came. Like, literally, it gave me enough money to pay my bills, take care of everything. Thing. and Right, exactly. And so I did, a, I did an ugly sweater Christmas party. Yeah. 
I did. Um, <laughs> I was like, oh, I could do events. The I love bringing mm. people together in a safe space mm-hmm. to enjoy themselves. I feel like life is so hard and so harsh. If I'm able to bring you some level of joy, if that is a pool party, if that's an ugly sweater party, like I kept doing those as well as a sponsored content. Now, when you're doing this stuff, do you have any sort of help or representation like agencies or business managers? Like, how do you know you're getting your fair just do this? I wanted so bad, but a lot of the agencies at that time were like, you're not quite there yet. So I leaned on a lot of friends, like all of us at that time, and full transparency, like Instagram was a hobby that turned into a business. Mm. So, you know, I applaud everyone that's coming in and, and treats social media as a business. Like for us, a lot of us, it was just having fun. And then eventually it turned. Started to turn into money. Yeah. And I was like, man, like we're all asking each other questions and, and figuring things out between themselves. So I'm grateful for friends I was able to lean on on that time. And, and you know, at that point, I just wanted enough to make rent and make yeah. sure I had, you know, my my Metro card good so I can get to <laughs> You're like, I'm just trying to, to get go. By. Listen, <laughs> that's all I really wanted. But I realized the more and more that I grew Golden Confidence and that I grew SE Golden, that the money was like really, really coming in. It was great. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> it's great. It's amazing. That's crazy. Like, yeah. it, especially because it was a, a hobby. And yeah. then you're starting to be like, oh, this is a community. And you're like, oh, wait, like, folks want to pay me to continue to do these different things. Like, this is pretty crazy. Did you happen to have any moments where you were maybe surprised by the actions of, of certain brands where you're like, this doesn't seem right? And you don't have to mention a brand, but right. maybe a I'm moment. like, which one do I want to <laughs> go with first? Um, there's so many. <laughs> but, I mean, I think, uh, ooh. There has been a couple of brands that had used my likeness in a way that they weren't. And it was super duper shocking. And I had found out about it because a friend had walked into a store and was like, hey, is this you? In a store? In a store. And I was like, what do you mean? She's like, is this you? I was like, "I I think it is. And so... It became one of those things where I was like, all right, like in the beginning of my career, it was about, all right, like just get to the next month, just pay your rent, make sure you have enough money, make sure that your Instagram is perfect, make sure that you, are, oh, you yeah, know. Oh yeah, the era, the era of the, the manicure. Oh my gosh, it was, it was. Color schemes. <laughs> it was so annoying because I was like, yo, I really want to be myself, but I don't know if being myself is the right thing to do in order to eat. Yeah. As a black woman, right, I know that your I, work is directly correlated with your pay now. Right, like me and our, me and other black content creators, we would have conversations like, you know, you can't talk about sex, you know, you can't talk about songs that have, you know, curse words. You can't say this, you can't say that, you can't wear this. Certain brands, if you touch that brand, then other brands definitely won't work brand. with you. Right, so you're like constantly like it's like. How do I do? Right, and so it was good for a while, but after the whole black square situation. <laughs> I really thought that there was going to be a change and I realized there wasn't. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter how perfect I am. It doesn't matter what I do. These brands really don't care. So do, do whatever they do. Wow. And that was the shift for me. And I had told myself earlier before a certain incident had happened, like I'm no longer working with brands who don't respect me and mm. don't respect my rate. And because I was like, you know what, this could grow to be a partnership. I'm, you know, I, I can balance. I'm, mm-hmm. I could compromise. And the moment I did, the 
brand like screwed me over in the worst way possible. And it was so hurtful because I had already told myself I wasn't going to do it. And this was after years of having these constant situations and I didn't have management or this or that. And that situation kind of made me get my business together. I was like, no, we're getting management. We're getting a oh, lawyer. Wow. We're getting things. We're going to get it together. I will not put myself in that, in that situation. situation again ever again, mm. like ever. And I know that there's so many Black creators who've reached out to me who have gone through similar situations or about to go through that situation. So it's nice for me to be able to be like, listen, let me help you. Let like, me tell you what I did. These right. are the changes I yeah. made. And and to you, I, got, I guess that's kind of got to be the symbol of like, no, nah, this is really me approaching it business first. For sure. And I'm, I wish it wouldn't have taken me so long to do that. But I'm, I'm glad I did. I, I found management. I have a lawyer. I have my business in order. I have a CPA. These are conversations that, you know, like my, my family didn't have with me because they worked a nine to five. And I'm, I'm grateful for the sacrifices that they made. But yeah, after that situation, I was like, never again. Have your own morals and your own principles now within this business and hold mm. yourself accountable to that. Wow. So now that you, you made that transition, right, you had started an, another community a community oriented in sneakers, which you, you call Thick Laces. Yeah. Tell me a little bit more about that community and how that got started. So Thick Laces started during the pandemic. Sneakerheads don't come for me. Because um, <laughs> I already know how y'all feel. <laughs> what you trying to say? <laughs> I don't know when the sneaker was made. I wasn't there in the factory. I wasn't there in the studio. I wasn't a part of the Why you, you had to go to the factory? Oh like, my God. I wasn't in the factory, so I don't know. Listen, men be like, how you know about the sneaker? Tell me about it. Who made it? What's his name? I'm just like, I, I don't know. I think it's pretty. I really like it. <laughs> um, so like everyone else, I'm scrolling on Instagram and I'm starting to really fall in love with sneakers. Hmm. And I had a friend who, her name is Katie. She's the co-founder of The Glaces with me. She is the definition of a sneakerhead. She used to be a sneaker plug. And um, I was like, hey, I'm, we're scrolling through Instagram and we're looking at the different pages that are dedicated to showcasing other people who love sneakers, and none of them, all the major pages, there are hardly any Black people, yeah. and there are hardly any people of color. And then when you look at the ones that are from women of color, people of color, there aren't any plus-size people. And, you know, I'm very much a, I'm not going to wait for somebody to do something. I'm I can do it. Done. Listen. <laughs> and so I, I kind of took a little bit from Golden Confidence, and I was like, all right, like, let's start a page. Let's see what happens. And it was just, again, going to be a community where women can have a safe space to ask questions about sneakers. And when you say, <laughs> and so what do you mean by that? Like, uh, say, the casual listener might be like, what does that mean? You know, like, what is it to have a safe space to talk about sneakers? So, I mean, again, I feel like if you've ever been on Twitter and someone posts a sneaker, ask a question about it, especially if you're a woman, you are bombarded with, like, FAQs and just like different things of questions of like, well, how do you know? What is this? What is that? And if you don't know it, then you aren't qualified to buy something that you like. Hmm. And and I get it. I understand the passion. I understand like, you, you know, you stood in line for days to get a sneaker back in the day. And I think that that's amazing. But I think that people need to make more space for more people to enjoy things. And so I wanted to create that space for them to be able to ask questions. Because women were DMing me like, oh, I didn't know I could wear a sneaker. And I'm like, it's a sneaker. It's a sneaker. What do you mean? But they're Anybody like, you know, can wear these. Right. But then they'll be like, oh, well, you know, I would ask. But like, you know, I don't want to be looked at as weird. I don't want men to say this. And I'm just, and again, for some people, it's not a big deal. But yeah. I, you know, coming from the space of body positivity, I get it. Yep. And so we created this community, again, because we weren't seeing people who looked like us represented. You felt like it's very masculine. 
I mean, but not just that. Like, where are the plus size people? When I walk outside, I see women who look like me every day. The average woman is a size 16, 18, and she's severely underrepresented. Mm -hmm. The plus size fashion industry is a multi-billion dollar industry. So when I hear brands and people not want to be a part of that and businesses are failing, <laughs> you got yourself to blame. Listen, for that. listen. Savage, We're here. <laughs> Savage Fenty came in and changed the game. Victoria's Secret is now offering, you know, extended sizes. You're gonna quickly learn. Yeah, you're gonna learn. We got Hello. buying power. I mean, <laughs> American Eagle, all these brands that I grew up wanting to wear had to shift okay. to be more inclusive. You know what I mean? And, and again, I think that that's great. What what we weren't seeing was the major brands in the athleisure space and streetwear space be more inclusive. Mm. And that's something that just didn't make any sense to me. So we started the community again, something small and again, kind of, <laughs> kind of blew up because people, I don't want to say people are ignorant. I just think it's one of those things like you're more likely to hang around and and talk to people who look like you. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like brands don't have any plus size people that are on their board. They don't have anybody that's mm. looking out for people mm. like, yo, maybe, why don't we do this? Or why don't we do more of this? And so when we did it and brands were following the page or brands were having side conversations with us or, con or consultations, and to me, things that were super basic, like, hey, put a straight size person and a plus size person together in a campaign and watch how great that does. Oh, we never thought about that. <laughs> but that's, that's what you say every now, day. Is that, is that consultation or is, are you giving them free game? Uh, it's consultation. Okay. You know? <laughs> uh, and again, that's, I mean, grateful for what Instagram and, and the education that I learned. Like, you know, I failed college my freshman year and it didn't go back, but I got schooling mm. from New York. Mm. I got schooling from being able to be one-on-one -on -one with these brands and learning the business and doing my homework of, of what this is. And now I'm able to, you know, consult yeah. for other brands. I'm just like, oh, this, <laughs> this, like, this is really cool. Again, something that I didn't think that I could do. And being able to turn that into uh, an extension of me has been really great. I love it. What do you think is like the grand ambition of, of Thick Laces, right? Like you've seen how, you know, Golden Confidence continues to grow. What do you want for Thick Laces? I think that we can continue to be a source, not only for the everyday woman, but for brands on how they can be better and be inclusive. Uh, we would love to do clothing, mm. um, help brands get that fit together, get the styles like together. Like a whole collection? Yeah. And, and sizing and... All of that. And, and the, sneakers. And marketing and sneakers. Um, yeah. What I find so interesting about a lot of brands when it comes to women's sizing, they stop at 11 or 12. Mm. And the amount of women that are like, yo, I wear a 13 or a 14 or a 15. And if men are in, already... In, in, in sneakers. In sneakers. Sizes, yeah. And if men are already shopping the women's... You can't increase the sizing, the sizing. Or, or, or offer wide width or offer a little bit more. So, again, I hope that that's something that we're able to do. And, you know, if the way that my... Not hope. Right. You know, I'm, you know, I'm humble. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's the goal. Like, I, I really, really, really want to be able to change what fashion looks like, what beauty looks like on both sides yeah. in the sneaker community and in the in the plus size fashion. Well, you know, we, we definitely need it. You know, I worked in the sneaker industry for a decade and, you know, the motto was pink and shrink. I don't know if you heard that one yes. before. Um, <laughs> and it's like, you know, that's a bunch of guys. Yeah. Right? Without any women in the room to say, we don't want that. Right. Like, just because I'm a woman don't mean I like pink. 
<laughs> you know, it's not a it's not a broadcast thing. It's not one for one with, with every single person. Exactly. So what you're doing is absolutely <laughs> needed and, and necessary. <laughs> and and it, again, it's great that you know I had conversations with a friend who works over at a secret brand. She's like, yo, they're paying attention to to you and what y'all are saying. Like, mm. don't feel like the work that you're doing, nobody notices. And in this this business, this everything, just being black can be so isolating when mm -hmm. you feel like you're doing the work and mm -hmm. nobody cares and nobody's paying attention. So to hear that from, from people who are already making those types of decisions, like, yo, we see you and we're fixing some things. Like whether or not I get paid for that would be great, but whether or not I do, it matters. Cause the work that I've done and other black women and other plus size women have done before I couldn't shop in mm. a store with my friends. Mm. My size wasn't there. No way. And I'm you going probably to the wouldn't even go in. No, yeah. no, I'm going. I'm getting perfume and I'm getting a handbag and I'm getting some earrings. I'm leaving here with some, you know what I mean? Yeah. But now the work that we've done because brands are saying, oh, like this is what we need to do. A girl can shop with her friend in a Target. She can shop in American Eagle, you know, all these brands, Aeropostale, Hollister, Abercrombie, like all these brands that were super like exclusive mm. and and not inclusive are now because of the work that we've done. That's incredible. So again, whether or not I got paid for that, whatever, it's it it's matters. Shifting. It matters. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. As you think about what your line of work is and what you continue to grow, how do you think about that in terms of this talk around recession talk? Like how does that impact you? as a creator, but also as a business owner, like what starts to go through your head? I think that's why, at least as a creator, that's why I shifted from so much of the sponsored content. Mm. You know what I mean? I'm like, all right, S, like you have so much knowledge and so much information. What can you do behind the scenes? Mm. Which is why I started getting more into fashion consulting, Okay. Um, which is why I started doing more, like, how can I get the education? What can I learn? And I think, again, that's something that's lacking yeah. in the influencer space. I feel like we all think we know it all and we don't. <laughs> and that's, again, that's something that I've learned. Once I've been able to sit on the other side, on the brand side, I'm like, oh, mm. there's so much more. Like the data, the analytics, the, the different things that I never paid attention to. A, a shirt is more than just a shirt. Right. So being able to shift and do more behind the scenes, it's what's keeping me okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you gotta, yeah, you definitely have to have You have to, you definitely support. have to, to shift in things. But for me specifically, not, oh God, I hope this doesn't make me sound bad. My intuition leads me to the right places. So as far as like a recession, I'm, it's not anything that I'm worried about. Mm -hmm. Oh Lord, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like, the moment I've told myself to go, I'm fully supported. Mm -hmm. You know, I told myself to Manifest leave that. New York and I got to LA and I'm fully supported. So I know that regardless of what it is that I do, as long as I continue to listen to that voice and stay in my delusional place where things happen, I'm good. I love that you said it that way because I'm a, a big proponent. I'm like, as a entrepreneur, as a creative, there's a large part of you that has to be a bit delusional. Absolutely. Right? Because if you if you actually take face value what other people are saying, you will never pursue these dreams because you just be like, oh, it's impossible. And so you have to carry a bit of like, I mean, I know that was said, but I'm gonna do this anyway. <laughs> I mean, I, I look at the full spectrum of my entire life. And again, nothing is ever by accident. If I looked at a lot of things logically, I wouldn't have 
what I have, I would have never moved to New York. My dad wasn't supposed to find me. I wasn't supposed to be in the family that I'm in. I wasn't supposed to be successful in New York City. I mean, me having lost that last final job um, and still doing the pool party anyway, I know that things can happen when I stay in my world and in my lane and I'm delusional about my dreams and my goals and I dream as big as possible, it's super obtainable. The moments when I start to look at outside perspective, that's when things don't work out for me. Hmm. And that's hard, right? That's hard. Because I'll tell people certain things and they'll be like, oh, I don't know about yep. that man. And then <laughs> it starts to creep in. I'm yeah. like, you know what? Maybe you're right. No. Maybe you're right. You have to be super careful about who you share those ideas and those thoughts with because everybody's in a different place and everyone's not going to think the way that you think and you don't want that to shut down this whole vision that you have for what you want to do. Now, you did such a great job of kind of summarizing a bit of, of your journey there. I want to ask you, for young women and other people that are interested in going down a similar path as you and folks that you know may have felt like they're not represented, what advice would you have for them on this journey of creator, entrepreneur? Um, what advice would you have for someone who wants to follow in your footsteps? Be as delusional as possible. <laughs> no. <laughs> I, th I think about it like this. I think about the sacrifices as a Black person or just as a person in general that our parents made in order to survive, right? So in my mind, my debt is paid as far as having to do the traditional route. You know what I mean? Like, my dad left Nigeria and came here with a dream. And his parents before him paid that debt, and they're here. And he became a chef. He followed his dreams. Now, I'm sure, again, he had bigger dreams, and it wasn't exactly how he wanted it to be, but he did it. Yeah. My mom, even though she lost her battle with, with drug addiction, her life paid my debt. She did the best that she could, and my dad did the best that he could. My mother, oh, I love her. She worked a nine to five every single day, took up extra shifts, and in her mind, she had dreams. She mm -hmm. had tons of dreams. But she had a traditional job. Again, nothing wrong with that. But in her mind, she said to me, you live after you retire. Mm. And a week after she retired, she was diagnosed with Parkinson's. And so now all these dreams and these hopes and these things that she wanted to do, she cannot. She, can't do. she wanted to travel. She wanted to buy things. We were going to go on mother-daughter vacations, and she can't do any of these things because her body won't let her. And same thing with my dad, traditional military man, great job, did everything right. And his dreams were to travel with my mother. Mm -hmm. And again, in those moments, they couldn't because you have a child that you have to feed, you have taxes, you have the house, you have this, you have that. And so I look all, at all of that as their sacrifices paid my debt to live my life how I want to. How you want to live. And when my mother said to me, who's very traditional, who kept saying, get back in school, get mm -hmm. back in school, when she said, I'm so proud of you. Oh. I wish I could have done that. Look at you living your dream. Look at you going for everything that you want to go for. I wish I could have done that. I wish I was so brave. Wow. And it's just like, <laughs> I, their sacrifices, I'll be, like, I'll be damned if I'm on this earth living 
ordinary when the people who came before me had all these dreams and hopes and different things that they wanted to do and they couldn't mm. because the sacrifices and the, and the circumstances in life wouldn't allow them. And they put their dreams in me. Their dreams don't die with me. And so when I get my little encouragement, when my auntie back home in Georgia tells people that I make clothes by hand, you're right. I do. You know what I mean? Like all the all these different things. So I want to encourage other entrepreneurs and creatives like look at your your lineage, look at your family tree, look at the the sacrifices and and the different things that they've done for you to be here. You should be chasing every single dream, every goal. You are fully supported because your ancestors already paid all that for you. Wow. And that's how I look at it. The freedom their sacrifices gave me freedom to live my life how I want to. That was Essie Golden, founder of the Golden Confidence Movement and the sneaker community, Thick Laces. Find out more about Essie and get access to all of our episodes wherever you listen to podcasts. If you liked today's episode, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and don't forget to rate and review us. Stay up to date with our latest news following us on Instagram at Claim of Stories, or you can reach out with a message at hello at claimastories.com. Our show this week is produced by BJ Fragozo, Pervy Patel, Natalie Yazzie, Jericho Trim, and the team over at DB Podcasts. Original music provided by Adrian Anaya, and vocals provided by Rosella. Special thanks to Jordan Dinwiddie, Cena Clark, Clint Blaine, and Damian Mitchell. I'm Bima, and you've been listening to the Claim of Stories podcast, powered by Vista. <laughs>